Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 105th official episode. Today, we're joined again by Blake Buchanan and Miles Lester, uh, our partners over at 94 Feet Hoops. Uh, former Division One basketball players uh, who are now getting into NBA content as well. Uh, and we have our first guest in a really long time, a really big deal. C. Flan, give him his proper intro. Jay Huff is a 2019 NCAA champion with the University of Virginia Cavaliers, a 2021 second team All-ACC member, a 2021 ACC All-Defensive team member, and is currently on an Exhibit 10 contract with the Los Angeles Lakers. We're really excited to have him on. So, Jay, feel free to, to introduce yourself if I missed anything. What's up, guys? Nah, you you pretty much said it all. Uh, I guess the connection with you guys is I know I've known Blake for a very long time. He was always the second tallest at all the day camps that we would play at. <laughs> After a, a year or so, they wouldn't let us be on the same team unless they were counselors on the other team. So yeah. we could have had a great dynasty, but. It would have been you know, fun. It was like it NBA rigged, but. With yeah, yeah. No, it was like David Stern made some executive decisions and mm-hmm. didn't let us uh, form that super team. But it's what it is. Oh well, it's like the the blocked Chris Paul trade back in the day. It it pretty much is. Yeah, essentially. Uh, so we always had to guard one another, um, and then we were high school teammates, uh, ACC rivals. Uh, although, no offense to Wake Forest. No, nah, I'm kidding. Let me stop. <laughs> That's a great start to the podcast, Jay. Really humble. Yeah. So, Jay, you were a four-star recruit coming out of Voyager Academy. This is the high school that you and Blake played for in Durham, which is, of course, my, my college town as, as a Duke guy. What is, what is either, either Blake or Jay, what's the thing that people who aren't from North Carolina, aren't from Durham, don't know about it other than it's a college town? Give us a little bit of a, of a taste of the Durham culture. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. I, I love Durham personally. Uh, it is a very unique town. Uh, it's you got just about every type of person you can imagine. It's got a lot of basketball history. It's got, you know, 10 minutes outside of town, like out of downtown, you can get like middle of nowhere, just every different type of person you can imagine. Uh, a lot of diversity there. You know, I grew up there. I kind of saw it evolve. The downtown area has become really, really cool. A lot of great restaurants. Um, just a, there's a lot to do. Um, not and it's it's not touristy which is great like it still feels a little bit like a small town and yet there's a lot of fun stuff to do so, so I love it personally yeah I mean I agree it's pretty much he kind of touched on it, but Durham's got just about everything you'd like whether you're you know you like the the urban feel the uh downtown vibe stuff they got it if you want to get down the sticks enjoy some time ride some four-wheelers it's right there too so <laughs> Blake's next to me before Sorry, I gotta go uh, haul some hay bales. I can't make it work today. <laughs> That's oh something that like me and C Flan as like New York City kids <laughs> would like make up about what, yeah. what people from North Carolina would do. No, and that's that's a that's a, those are all good takes about about Durham. Completely agree. I think 
I think it doesn't get enough love, the triangle area um, in, in, even, in even Charlotte, but, but North Carolina in general, I think it's got a good taste of the South. You get some of the like good food and hospitality, but then also it doesn't, it doesn't feel too Southern. You also get sort of like a Northeastern city feel in some ways too. And I think especially now Durham, the downtown that you mentioned, like there's a lot of um, kind of like up and coming business and like, uh, and like, yeah, startup businesses, I guess that are, yeah. that are coming from the universities and area, right? Cause you've got NC State, UNC, Duke, and then of course, Wake Forest, you know, kind of all, all in the, all in the area. So central, man, central, not Wake. Yeah. <laughs> coming out of Durham, how did you, how did you find your way to UVA? Well, I, um, you know, I started getting recruited my junior year. UVA was the first ACC school that contacted me, but there were other schools, you know, JMU was pretty early. Um, no, there were a couple other ACC schools and stuff like that. And the thing I loved about UVA was how they were really honest. Um, you know, they didn't say like, oh, you know, we're, we think you'll play, you'll start by you know, your first or second year, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they told me I'd probably have to redshirt, which I did end up doing uh, just to get stronger and like learn a few things and get better with the defense. Uh, and I ended up staying there for five years. And I think like that's something that it's kind of rare in an age where like players are, you know, putting all types of stuff out on social media and these coaches are having to flag them down and probably having to tell them everything they want to hear. Like the, they were very quick to say, like, no, it's going to be hard, but it could be really, really good. And we see a future for you here. So I really appreciated that about them. Yeah, honestly, that's that kind of seems on brand with everything I know about UVA, which is not yeah. much. But even like the NBA talents that they've produced or or some of the G League guys that they produce, like DeAndre Hunter, like very selfless guy, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, like they all seem kind of almost like in that Villanova uh, kind of mold of, you know, efficient basketball, team basketball, moving the ball, playing very like hard-nosed defense. Um, so I guess that is would you say that's kind of like a top-down sort of program ethos? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that they've, like, maintained over the years. It's not like that just happens. Like, they recruit a certain type of guy. Um, and a lot of guys have had to redshirt in the past. Like, DeAndre Hunter was a redshirt my year. Um, so I had to play one-on-one -on -one against him every day. That wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> How much NIL money do you think you could get if you're coming out of of high school right now. <laughs> uh, uh, the thing is, like, like there's a part of me that's glad that I missed out on it just because I feel like yeah. a lot of it become madness. Um, and, like, let me preface that by saying I think these guys should have been getting, like, this should have been a thing a long time ago. Like, guys should have been able to make money, however, like, within reason, obviously, like, doing things that any other college student can do like within the realms of legality like I think that college basketball players should have been able to do whatever they want in the NCAA but shouldn't have said anything about it now the flip side of that and I unfortunately thought this was also a possibility but it was you know it it should have happened but it's going to come with stuff like this my dad sent me a tweet the other day where this guy's got like his second graders like signing up for NIL stuff and like trying to like hype them up and stuff like that, They're like the top ranked second graders in the country. And that, that's just kind of sad to me that one, we're even ranking yeah. second 
graders because who's to say like there's a lot of second graders who probably don't care about that and two like that's just way too early to try to start capitalizing on your children you know i mean for starters not even them i mean hopefully they're going to make money on it someday but what if they get to a point like i don't know how to play basketball so just letting kids have a childhood is something that i think might be in jeopardy with some of that stuff i don't think that it's going anywhere necessarily like i think i think in general most kids will be fine but there is going to be some outliers like that where like people just try to capitalize too early and i'm I'm grateful that I didn't necessarily have to worry too much about that. I liked basketball not being much about money, despite the fact that I probably would have gone for making some money. Um, but once you hit the pros, it's, it, it is kind of all about making money. And there's not a lot of, a uh, lot of the college feel in terms of like guys sticking around for four years that type of thing there isn't as much of that because and it's how it should be you know you got to go where the money is in professional basketball I think the big decision like giving them the opportunity giving us the opportunity to make money was the right decision but it does need refinement like, yeah it def- everything it def- everything needs to be ironed out and if you yeah. find it the right way um yeah. then I think it'll be an overall good thing but like you said when you got kids that are four or five years away from having their first armpit hair being used for yeah. NIL money, then like, that's not what we need, you know, like, exactly. so it and needs yeah, to be ironed out. The issue is that it's just, it should have been a thing a long time ago. And instead we mm-hmm. like kind of pulled the rubber band back too far and Pen- let it, yeah. Pendulum just swings. Like, no, yeah, exactly. It's we're hitting the other side of the extreme right now. Eventually I think it will balance out to a happy yeah. meeting. Guys can make good money. Um, one thing that's, a bummer for me knowing guys from UVA that are international guys is that they can't currently capitalize on NIL money unless they get a work visa, which takes forever. I do think overall it's a shame that it took competition from, from like the G league ignite and from leagues overseas to finally like push the NCAA to add the NIL rule. Like the fact that you missed out on a couple guys, like, like even um, I don't know, like, like Glamello ball comes to mind, right. Going over to Australia um, I think it, I think the the rules kind of finally put in place because you because you risked losing some of the top prospects to opportunities they could make money. Whereas, like, I do think it, in some ways, like, it's silly to imply that the only that like like that that an education in itself is going to be enough to like replace the the is enough to like I don't know kind of counterbalance the money that you could make yeah. playing basketball professionally because the truth is that for a lot of top prospects like going to a school for one year where you're on the road constantly and like taking classes and balancing basketball is yeah. like not so much the priority. Like, I don't think you're getting as much out of that as yeah. a lot of the guys who are going to stay. I mean, you, you spent five years at UVA, right? So like yeah. you can get an undergraduate degree and then even like go pursue classes afterwards, right? Go get, go get like a master or something. I think there's, I think there's something to be said about the ability now for players to make money, but, but also getting the education that, that the NCAA yeah. provides. I think there's having having both in in one kind of opportunity now. I think is something that was long overdue. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I can agree with that. I think that I think the international game is rapidly becoming better and better. And I I don't think that it should have taken that long for guys to realize, hey, like instead of going to college, maybe I can just go do this. Because if you're gonna go and just take up a spot in a class, and you know, not do your schoolwork and not really care for one year and then try to go play professionally. Like, 
that doesn't make as much sense. Now, I think the G League is becoming, like you guys were saying, like a better alternative to college for some guys, especially with the G League Ignite. Um, but it really just depends on what your goals are. You know, I spent five years in uh, at UVA, got a master's degree out of it. But there's guys who just don't really want to do that. And I don't think that college should be the only way to do that. And I think that instead of making college basketball essentially minor league basketball, where mm-hmm. it's for some reason affiliated with a school, even though at the end of the day, it's not doing much for some of these guys academically where they take classes that they can take around the practice schedule. Um, you know, sometimes the better alternative would be to just go play professionally somewhere. Uh, to, to follow up on that, like you are becoming more and more rare in terms of a guy who stays at the same school for four years. Yeah. Uh, on the one hand, a player should want to go where he wants to go. You know, he should not be restricted. But on the other hand, that has negatives in terms of one, there are like several hundred players this year that entered the transfer portal and they don't have a spot. So they just kind of like yeah. lost their division one eligibility. Uh, and two, you know, th- there's no cohesion there. So like, what is your thoughts on just the general transfer, transfer portal, the value of staying somewhere for four years uh, and maybe how that, that ties into education as well. I have mixed feelings on the transfer portal. Honestly, I know some guys from, you know, playing places that, you know, both, in college as well as in the pros where I hear of guys transferring or I know guys who have transferred. And to a lot of those guys, I say like, that was probably the best move because like they honestly might not do as well in, in one place as they might in another. And like, you got to do what's best for your career. If you have professional goals, like sometimes another spot is better. That being said, I think there are guys that transfer once and then transfer again and then transfer again and then end up having been at four schools. And eventually I begin to think that the problem might be that person. <laughs> like, I, I think that if you stick it out in a lot of places, you're going to eventually be successful. But a lot of people don't want to wait for that. And I don't want to make blanket generalizations because I know that there's a lot of different extenuating circumstances and sometimes guys just want to transfer closer to home or they just, they didn't like it there. They didn't like the team. They didn't get along with people. And that's, you know, that's okay. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that should be encouraged. And I think guys should be allowed to do that. But if you're just like, Oh, coach didn't like me here and coach didn't like me here. Then there is that point where I think it might just be the person. So you mentioned relationship with coaches there. So I want to get into a little bit your relationship with Tony Bennett specifically. And I know um, Blake, Blake knows a little bit more about this than I do, but, but how faith plays an important role in your life and how also it plays an important role in Tony Bennett's locker room. So I was hoping you could touch on that quickly. You know, that was also a reason I decided to go to UVA. Like they have a lot of, a lot of believers on their coaching staff. And that was something that they, you know, encouraged me in early on. They have a team chaplain who ended up actually doing my wife and I's pre-engagement counseling with us. And they're just, they're solid people, solid Christians that have really supported us in our marriage and me and my you know career, especially at UVA. I think that's a, a big factor in their success. You know, I went back to some of their practices and they've got you know, 10 guys in their Bible study. Um, and when I was there, we had, typically we had like three or four, but like, I, I do think that it's grown 
since since my time there, which has been really cool to see. It's a really big part of that program. And obviously it's never forced. Like he always makes it a point to be like, if this is you know not something you're comfortable with and don't feel any pressure, but you know, we would pray before games and stuff like that. And, yeah, you know, I will say as long as I've known Jay, he's someone who like when he had a thousand Instagram followers compared to I don't even know what he has now, but a lot more than that. He's someone who always has placed his identity in Christ, which I think is a struggle for especially like youth basketball players more and more today because there's more and more outside noise. And I think unfortunately like so many of our our youth players, whether it's AAU or school, are beholden to the opinions of others. So I mean, Jay, do you want to touch on some like how having your identity in Christ, like what that means and how it helped you um as you just went through this you know, getting to where you are in your career. Yeah. I think that is something that, you know, my parents instilled in me early on, but it also was not exclusively from them. Like they raised me up in my faith, but eventually like once I got to high school, it was my own thing. Something that I got involved in in my high school, I was a part of FCA. Um, Me and my friends, we led that for a long time and I go back whenever I can. Um, and then, you know, in college, same thing. I was trying to be involved in different Christian fellowships. I met my wife at a Christian fellowship. Um, and the, just really the community of support was huge for me there. Uh, because there were a lot of days, especially early on in like the red shirt days where, you know, don't get to play, but you got to practice and then practice extra after and get beat up on by Jack Salt and eventually had my (laughs) shoulder located. Um, you know, just different stuff like that. And then even this past summer, like with summer league, I caught COVID after the first two games, which is just horrible, horrible timing. Um, and then in general, the pandemic has been hard, but through all of that, um, kind of an unknowable piece that has come just through my faith in Christ that I think a lot of guys could use if I'm being completely honest. I try to keep basketball you know, as a part of my life, but not my entire life, because, and this is something that I've heard in a sermon recently, like, whatever happens, like, etern- like in terms of eternity, you know, God's got me, and I'm not necessarily living or dying by how I'm playing. I was listening to a sermon recently on Psalm 23, uh, which it, you know, that's the passage that says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. King David wrote that, during a time when his life was in absolute shambles and the fact that through all of that he could say like lord i have more than i need um was really really cool and i think that hearing that sermon recently especially with you know going into my second year um still trying to earn a better paycheck than i have right now and that's kind of what professional basketball is just trying to get a better paycheck i think i'm a a little more relaxed about it than some and not relaxed in a way that's like oh i'm sure money will not come complacent some. but like rela- yeah. yeah you know all things considered i'm doing well financially and with basketball and everything like that but if it doesn't happen then that's fine and the basketball dream like that had me from a young age like i was always once i got past like i want to be batman when i grow up <laughs> i think that's i want to play basketball uh, and I want to get into youth ministry when basketball is done as well. That's like the long-term dream. But before I get to that point, I want to 
play basketball, at least for a while. You know, that basketball dream has got a lot of people like living and dying, like I said, by how they're playing. And that's hard to get out of. And that's hard in general because that it's a hard way to live and putting your faith in basketball, you know, basketball is going to fail you, whether that's you're going to lose the game, you get injured, you know, knock on wood, that could happen at any point. And just having the, you know, the peace about you that no, no matter what happens, God has me for eternity. It really puts things into perspective. On top of that, like it allows you to play so much freer. There are days where I do better at what I'm talking about now than others. There's obviously days where I want to punt the basketball into the upper deck. But where you, where you have punted the basketball. You have seen been. it. Right. <laughs> like those. Talk about the national title game night. Obviously, I mean, that was a great, great game. Um, I mean, I remember where I was when I was watching it. So obviously, I'm sure you remember everything from that night. So just like... I was there through that night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, but the other part we got to ask about is like, I mean, I think it's the coolest part about is you guys made history the year before. Um, yeah. Obviously not in a great way, but then to come back, you know, you bring everyone back, which is rare in college basketball now. Um, you know, people weren't hating. They probably were hating a little bit on Coach Bennett, but you weren't seeing some of the stuff you see on Twitter now when a team was in the first round and like, I know yeah. you guys just hung together and won it all. So just yeah. you know, talk about that a little bit. No, I mean, that was that was definitely not only the title game, but the games leading up to it were just ridiculous. Like they were all games where I was like, well, time to pack it in. Game's over. <laughs> Guess we got to start planning the vacation. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, we just scored a couple. We're going to come back and win this game. And then we ended up winning the games. So uh, I, I specifically remember seeing a video of one of the games, if it wasn't the championship, then it was one of the games leading up to the championship where a bunch of students like ran out onto their quad, the team that we were playing against, thinking that they had won. And they were all celebrating and all that. Like five minutes later, they all looked down at their phones and like just head in their hands, like crying. <laughs> and that was one of the funniest parts of it for me. It's probably Auburn. Yeah, I think it was Auburn, actually. I'm or Purdue, because sure. Purdue, you guys had that, like, crazy tap-back pass, like, half-court, yeah. and then yeah. one and ended up winning that game, too. Yeah, that yeah. was – Yeah, good. Carson Edwards had that dog in the game. <laughs> 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 Against Carson Edwards in the G League, like, he played for Salt Lake City Stars uh, this past year. And I got to see him do a little bit of that, but I've never <laughs> seen someone catch fire like he did. He was throwing stuff up, like – pulling up from half court and banking it basically i'm just like like who who does that so yeah that was a wild game i would love to be able to say that i won a game like that where i was pulling up and banking threes from <laughs> court, but he had to go out like that on a loss so so played he well. did guys he did have a triple double in the state championship so it was a good game who did but he did you did oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so casual what me I, I i do that wait no I, i'm like i'm being completely serious did i seriously have a triple double yeah locks locks or rebounds points dang i forgot about that and probably uh, if you count crowd yells like go turning to our student section and screaming you probably had a quadruple double our students, current that that was fun <laughs> some guys remember like every game they played and like how many points and rebounds and assists they had I can barely tell you what I like what type of games I had this past season. Like 
bad. <laughs> if you're if you were in like high school or college or even professionally, would you rather go off and have a really good game at home or away? Ooh, oh, that's a great question. That's that is a great question because I feel like I'm in a different mood in one situation versus the other. Like if it's at a home game or whatever, then I'm like hyping the crowd up. You kind of feel like the man in that way. But if it's on the road, you can just like walk out of there like like smoked all y'all. And Blake, you remember the game in uh, in high school? Oh, which one was it? That was the one where I almost got in a fight. It was either Wendover or East Carteret. East Carteret, that was the one. East Carteret, we got escorted out after the game because they were yeah. so angry that we broke their, like, 79-game home winning streak. Well, so there was that part. I forgot about that part. That's super dope, too. But I just remember, <laughs> like, pushing me in air and then got in my face. And at one point, like, dude was just leaning on me. I was, I was trying to set a screen and just pushing me and pushing me. And finally, I said, forget this. And I threw the guy on the ground and I think like one of his relatives came out of the crowd and like tried to run at me and he had to be escorted out by the cops so that was nuts that was like my one of my favorite games from high school though like even because <laughs> we beat we beat them that game too and I was just like let's go like gotta get a police escort to leave so if I had to answer the question in like a packed uh, arena it might be a way yeah, I had my uh, my one really good college game on the road at New Mexico in like a sold out game. Had thirteen in the first half and was puking at halftime. But that was probably <laughs> the best. I think I played fifteen minutes. That was the best fifteen minutes of my life. Like, dude, just like I hit like back to back threes and like started yelling. You can literally see on like the highlight tape. I'm just like screaming at their student section as a freshman. But yeah, that was that was definitely the highlight of my. Uh... So yeah, I'm, I'm going with on the road. I wanted to mention, mention a different game. You had a near triple-double. I think it was, uh, it was like a 15.9 rebound, 10 block game you had against, against Duke. And so yeah. I wanted to throw out there. I don't know if that game was home or away, but was there something yeah. extra special about doing that against your, against your like hometown team also? Yeah, it was, it was just kind of weird. Like it was one of those games where you just <laughs> think much, really think during that game. And then later on, like, I remember, I think I said something, not even, like, in an angry way, but I was just, like, talking kind of loud and aggressive to, like, my sister who was at the game or somebody in my family. And I was like, sorry, like, the adrenaline's still going. Like, I need to chill out. <laughs> it was one of those games where you just time everything perfectly, you block every shot. Um, it's happened a few times, and that's honestly, like, the best type of game to have is when you're just, like, you feel great. And then you leave the game and go home and lay down and you're like exhausted. <laughs> I remember that one because we were on the road and we were at team meal. So we could have our phones. And so I didn't know what was going on. And coach Manning like pulled me over and was like, I know I'm not supposed to have my phone out, but your boy is going crazy. <laughs> and we were, I was like, I was like, what's he doing? He's like, you better have a triple double with blocks. That's so funny. Well, the funniest part of that whole game was I, you know, I walked into the locker room and like for some reason everybody was in our locker room after that game. We used to have some people come back, but for some reason everyone was there. Ralph Sampson was there. He leads UVA in um, in block shots by far. Like nobody's catching him, and I'm ranked number two. But the funny, like I walked into the gym and he said, "Congrats on getting ten. I had twelve. I think he had twelve. <laughs> And he just went zero time in letting me know that 
I hadn't beaten his record. And then also, you know, the coaches were getting on me because I had nine rebounds and I was like, come on. <laughs> if my dad listens to this podcast, he'll probably laugh. But I think that was one of the things that he would like, he bit his tongue on it for a little while, but then afterwards at dinner, he was like, he couldn't have gotten one more rebound. <laughs> That's psychotic to get more blocks and rebounds. Yeah. It's crazy. I, Blake, I think I did that a couple times in high school. Like, I think I had a game in the oh. John where I had like 16 blocks or something. Yeah, dude, there was one of the – I forget which game it was, but you definitely did. And it wasn't because you didn't have that many rebounds. You just had a no. lot of blocks. <laughs> well, I just remembered that, like, it was another, another one of those games where I just timed everything perfectly. And I put myself in some bad situations where I almost got dunked on a couple times. Like, I jumped – guy went up to, like, catch a lob and somehow got my hand in between his and the rim. Um, so it was weird. But It might have been Garner because yeah. that was a high-scoring game. And they did keep trying to dunk on you. So like they they, they tried me a lot actually. They were they weren't very smart about it. Like <laughs> seems, I like, respect I just, the mentality, like, but like but they would like try shooting like floaters or hook shots over me, and I'm like like bro. And actually that, <laughs> that was another one. My dad I think said something after the game. He said you still could have had more blocks too, like because I didn't go for some of them on like fast breaks. I think I just let some go, and I was like. <laughs> come on man <laughs> biggest supporter and biggest yeah. critic huh yeah and that's that's what he is like that's what you know especially when he was my coach he was good at that because he, he never wanted to like show favoritism or anything like that so what what was that like growing up i mean like your dad was my coach growing up yeah and yeah. i'm really close with him but he isn't my actual dad what was <laughs> it like having your dad like coach you literally from the moment you could hold the basketball it was it was a lot of fun and I think he and I had a good system where like some some people I feel like if their dad's their coach then their dad is their coach all the time and mm -hmm. we had a good system where like he would be coach at practice and at games and then we get home he was dad which was really cool and that worked about 95 percent of the time but <laughs> there were definitely some games where I had to ride home with mom afterwards <laughs> 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 That was then we, we joke about that still to this day but in general I think we did a really good job of it and it's something that we both really wanted to do too like we had talked about it for years um and to see that one see that happen and two to win a state championship together in my senior year uh was really really special and I think that's a memory that he and I both cherish a lot so going back one one more time real quick to that national championship game would you say that you're more proud of that championship at UVA or your high school state championship with your dad? Well, that's so hard because I, I mean, no, it is what it is. I didn't play that much in the state championship or in the, hmm. in the national championship. You played a lot in the state championship, Jay. You yeah. We've been over this. That was, that was a fun game. Um, so like personal pride, I think I would, you know, I would say the state championship and the, that's so hard because I love those guys too like we we were really great we had 11 seniors on that team so it was it was special in a lot of ways but at the same time like I was really proud of the national championship because you know we'd lost the year before like it was a story like you can't make that type of story up <sighs> UVA fans might hate me if I say that I like the state championship better <laughs> you do you don't have to commit either way well you can, you can save yourself that was a loaded question. It was because all the Durham, all the Voyager people were like, "Hey, 
it, when you were in March Madness, uh, no, <laughs> this I, is I a J question. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, we'll there, sit this one out. There's, oh, <laughs> I was just, did you ever fill out a bracket? I, if you were, if you were in it, I, I barely ever filled out a bracket even before, like before I made it to March Madness. I will say, I think in like eighth grade, I won 20 bucks in a bracket pool, which <laughs> if I were to have admitted that, like to the NCAA when I was still in college, I think they might've taken issue with it, but I think <laughs> it's the trophy, baby, vacate the championship. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is this year I filled out a bracket and I spent maybe 10 minutes on that thing. I picked at random and I started off, I was like, second to last in my like the south bay lakers bracket pool ended up coming in really close to getting first i picked three out of the four final four teams and if duke had beaten carolina i might have won that bracket pool i was very upset that i did i was very close but, yeah you don't you don't have to you don't have to talk about that <laughs> that, was, that was a tough yeah. one that was a tough one so yeah i mean i you know growing up a duke fan i would have loved to see coach k go out on a win like that but what are you gonna do? For like ninety nine percent of the other America, that was like the greatest possible thing. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> the thing is, I was torn because you know I loved Duke growing up, but at the same time, you know Hubert Davis was a friend of my dad's, um, and I actually went and played pickup at UNC last off season quite a bit, and they were super friendly guys. I still you know talk to some of them to this day, and so I was like torn between rooting for those guys and like I knew some of them and like hoping for that storybook ending for Coach K. The Duke fan in me wouldn't even let me say, like, let's go Carolina until the national championship game when they were in it. And by Duke fan in me, I mean the young child in me that was a Duke fan. <laughs> Don't let fans come from my life or whatever. I've said this on interviews every once in a while. I'm like, am I like excommunicated from the UVA alumni? <laughs> Canceled. Well, Canceled like, the unicorn. Like, I think UNC at least has some level of respect for Duke. Like, I think they have a competitive respect between one another. I think UVA fans hate anything that a Duke person even says. Like, most UVA fans, like, hate Jay Billis. And I'm like, he's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, my um, – so my freshman year is when they won it. And I had never, like, growing up ever picked the right national champion. And some friends asked if I wanted to be in the bracket pool. And because I, I literally just, like, didn't have $10 on me, I mean, because it was illegal with the NCAA, I declined. I ended up picking UVA. They won it. I won the entire pool by a mile and could not reap the reward of it. <laughs> and it was just, like, so bittersweet. Oh, that's – how much would you would have won? Like $150, oh. allegedly. Allegedly? <laughs> and you never were in there no that that was one of the things that bothered me about like college basketball in general it was just the funny rules that the NCAA had like gambling I can kind of understand but like there were times where I'd be out at a restaurant and like somebody wanted to buy my like just cut my meal or whatever and I had to tell them like no I can't like I can't accept that the NCAA has rules about that sort of thing which Obviously, you got to have somebody be a serious narc to like, yeah, and out about that. But I'd seen it happen like, somebody had, yeah. had gotten somebody to pay for their meal and had to sit out a game or something like that. And I was just like, Look, ma'am, I can't accept this. And then as she was leaving, she walks over 
and puts a gift card on the table. Like, I don't care about NCAA. And I'm like, well, man, I do. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're definitely a better man than I. I would have taken it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I did not play, so no one cared. Moving on to, like, sort of your professional career here. I mean, we've covered just a lot of random stuff, but I mean, obviously you ended up going undrafted. Um, so how was your kind of approach after that? And, like, you know, what were what were some things since then, you know, you've tried to focus on in order to, you know, set yourself apart? I mean, we've played with guys that are in the G League. Like, there's a lot of people in the G League trying to make it to the NBA. And, I mean, it's it's a tough road, so. Yeah, I mean, soon after the draft ended and I didn't get drafted, I had to make a decision on a few different t- offers from teams. Like, I'd been offered an Exhibit 10 from a few different teams and ended up with uh, going with the Wizards, which – I would have gotten to see Blake play at George Mason for his last year of college. It was funny because, you know, with the Exhibit 10, you go to training camp and then you either get your contract like upgraded or you get waived to the G League team. Uh, and I got waived to the G League team. But during that couple day period after getting waived, like there, like other teams can pick up your contract. And L.A. called me about a two way. And we had like just gotten the apartment set up and it was we were just like kind of settling in. But then we were like, oh, I have to wait and see. And sure enough we get the call about LA we found out about it on a Thursday and I think I left like the following Monday to go out to LA we moved you Uh, out on Sunday yeah that's right we did Blake helped (laughs) me move what a guy and yeah man it's just it's a weird job like I've said that to a couple of guys it's just a very strange profession because that's not something that most people have to deal with in their jobs but it's been fun I mean the G League is a lot of fun and we had a really close-knit team which I think is rare uh in the G League especially but also just professional basketball in general because a lot of guys are there trying to paycheck which is fair and like it's hard because you're competing for time competing for minutes that type of thing and it's a lot of guys that were used to being the man where they came from like in college they were you know the number one option and then you got to go especially in the g league they emphasize like you're not probably going to get a call up because you put up 40 points in a game because the nba already has a bunch of guys that do that you're going to get a call up you do Alex Caruso talks about that a lot yeah and it's super hard like obviously scoring 40 is not a bad thing but if you're going out trying to score 40 every night and like not making a ton of shots like you're shooting like less than 40 percent from the field but just putting up a bunch of shots to where you get 40 like that's harder for a team to look at and be like oh we definitely need this guy they're going to call up people that can rebound defend shoot but not like have to have the ball in their hands all the time oh goodness <laughs> i just sent the picture of when jay like snapchatted me that he got a contract he actually had his wife take a take a picture of him doing like a fonzie type thing <laughs> Yo, this guy uh, this could be put on. this could be put on like no context nba on instagram <laughs> <laughs> well not because people are getting the wrong idea that i got my contract upgraded Let's again. Let's, let's <laughs> we've had up. enough of that for one month. Social media has a way of like spreading information that was not intended at that time. <laughs> we'll we'll stick it in the back pocket, and then if we get some good news from Jay sometime yeah. in the near future, exactly, <laughs> we can we can help him push the announcement. <laughs> no, but uh, if if I can hype you up for a second, so oh, in, a- in in twenty eight games this season for the South Bay Lakers, you averaged. About 16 points, six rebounds, almost two and a half blocks, which was third in the G League among players who played more than 20 games. And you shot 64% from the field, all in 26 minutes. So like you said, like 
you talked about shooting over 40% from the field. You shot almost, you know, 65% from the field. Um, and then you have a post on your Instagram from at TV that describes you as, quote, an actual dunking and shot blocking, in all caps, machine. <laughs> and then, quote, one of the best rim protecting, rim running, and finishing centers in the G League. So I wanted to hit on some of the, sort of like your actual strengths on the basketball court now. We've talked about your, your 10 block game against Duke, your 16 block game in, in, in high school. Um, but, you know, going back to the point of like, there's only, there's only so many guys in the NBA that can put up 15 shots a game, right? Like what, what do you see moving forward as kind of like your niche is like, as the way that you're going to differentiate yourself as, as somebody that's gone back and forth between the NBA and the G league. And as a guy that, that coming out of the draft, like you didn't, you didn't get drafted in 2021 and have, and have already been proving yourself. So like, what's that niche that's going to continue to take you places in your career? Well, again, like, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I do think that like being useful in ways that like certain people, like there's people that can play really, really well. And if they get up 15 shots a game, like you said, like they're, going to do really well for themselves in like the G league or something like that, but you got to be in the right situation. Like you might eventually work your way up to that from the G league. It obviously has happened, but until that point, you do have to like try to find the little things to do to make yourself useful. And, you know, just being able to either pick and pop or pick and roll block shots, you know, rebound. Those are all things that I think NBA teams look for. So I try to, you know, try to do that to the best of my ability. Um, I think I even said that in an interview recently after a summer league game, like, how do you think your game translates to the NBA? And like, I feel like this is just like something that they expect NBA people to watch that they probably won't watch. So I just wanted to say like the simplest answer. I was like, block shots, shoot threes, pick and roll. And it's like, it's a simple game. Also, not just blocking shots, but I think an underrated aspect of the game is not blocking shots, but altering shots at the rim. You've put up absolutely monster block numbers, but how does that go hand in hand with just altering shots, which doesn't go on the stat sheet, but it's probably yeah. more valuable, honestly. Causing a miss, you probably get a rebound. Blocking shot usually goes out of bounds, still their ball. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I think that there are times where that is that is more useful than actually blocking a shot my goal is to block every shot. So it's not like I go up just trying to contest, like if possible, I'm going to try to block it. But then that puts it in people's mind that, Hey, we might not want to try this guy, or they're going to think about think twice before going in to shoot a layup and they might, you know, kick it back out. So there are a fair amount of guys in the G league that do that, that I hope get a chance. Me and a guy that I played against on the Memphis hustle, EJ Onu, we kind of had a competition back and forth because at different times throughout the year, we were, like he was leading the G League in blocks and I was leading the G League in blocks. And we'd kind of go back and forth. Um, we would like message, message back and forth with each other. Like, man, they definitely missed one of my blocks this game. <laughs> like, because the stat keepers are not always accurate. I will say that. So we got, I mean, Blake's obviously in the G League right now. I may be joining a G League team soon. We'll see. Had a couple interviews. You're obviously in the G League. What's kind of the, for the people that, that don't know, because obviously, you know, people see, a, you're with an NBA organization. They just think it's all, you know, glamour, but it's really, you know, the G League, it's a grind. Like everyone I've talked to says it's a grind. It's like kind of give, you know, what that, what the life is like as far as just being in the G League and, you know, having to, to travel on buses compared to when you're at UVA, you're chartering everywhere. I mean, it is definitely a grind, but I will say, depending on the situation, like I said, we had great team, you know, camaraderie, uh, which I 
is kind of rare, but I, I think that that can make it a lot more fun. I just remember the team traveling and we'd be sitting in an airport for hours and grabbing a meal while we're there and just great conversations stem from that. So it's a lot of fun. And I think that, you know, guys, guys are there because they love basketball. If they wanted to make more money immediately, then they'd probably go overseas, but they're still you know chasing the NBA dream in the right situation. Like having good team camaraderie can make it a lot of fun despite the grind. And for me personally, I also enjoyed the exploring. You know, when we were in all these different cities, I try to get out and about and find good restaurants or coffee shops and stuff like that and try to enjoy myself while I'm there versus sitting in a hotel room, which is just kind of boring to me. One other thing I wanted to ask you, obviously, like you spent time like with like that, like the Los Angeles Lakers. Is there anything that is just so incredibly different? I mean, obviously the travel in the G League is very different. You know, you fly commercial in the G League versus the expensive private planes that you get when you're in the NBA. Differences in hotels too, like, and that just is what it is. Like the hotels you stay at in the NBA are pretty ridiculous. Um, but I'm trying to think if I have any good stories. I mean, is LeBron, LeBron gonna cool? play for the yeah. G League team? <laughs> that was that was the the most like generic answer like oh my gosh tell us about lebron (laughs) the thing is and this can be something that you guys can take off the record because i know that it's like probably like like there are some fun stories that i have but i don't know that i necessarily should share some of them just because i'm trying job still and i wouldn't want to say anything that people would be like why are you sharing sense yeah um, yeah definitely no but no i will say like they're cool guys and you know like especially when i was with the main lakers like dwight howard and deandre jordan were both super cool guys um that kind of showed me a few different things and took me you know took me into their wing a little bit fun stuff well just the fact that i was i grew up like a big dwight howard fan and then being like in the same locker room on the same team as him was just kind of surreal. Uh, but you would like he wouldn't ever let you feel that because he was just kind of kind of goofy sometimes. <laughs> like he's just a really funny guy, can talk to literally anyone, just has a good time with life. So that was that was pretty cool just being in that locker room with guys like that. You ever stopped by the James House for Taco Tuesday? No, I never got that invite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. That's one of the things LeBron wants to keep private, isn't it? All right. Yeah, reveal that one. Definitely not. He, um, yeah, he posts that all the time. <laughs> well, so I will say, like, when you're a rookie, you get hit with what's called like rookie duties. And one time, Austin Reeves, who was a rookie last year, had to carry Dwight Howard's like big speaker. Like, it's not like obscenely heavy, but when you're carrying it all over the place, it it can get a little bit annoying. But the issue was, so he, he passed that duty on to me because he was, you know, on contract, like a standard contract. And so he could kind of delegate those duties to me and the other two ways, which were fluid throughout the year. And when we got on the plane, I realized, like, where's Dwight? I have his speaker. Like, what's he doing? This was during, uh, during the big COVID hit when, like, literally everybody was getting COVID. And it turned out that Dwight didn't even make the trip. So I had to carry oh. his giant, like booming speaker and he never used it like nobody ever used it and uh, me carrying it and there were a couple times where i was like i like actually forgot it in the locker room i gotta run back and get it so i would try to like flip it to my backpack whenever i could because otherwise i was gonna forget it for weeks afterwards like even after he came back from covid like he didn't ask me about it and i'd forgot 
about it and then i saw it like sitting in my in like the room one time and i was just like i gotta get this back to him and it was almost christmas time by that point and i had been waved at that point i wasn't even on a two-way but <laughs> i still had his speaker which was just kind of awkward so i wrapped it in some leftover christmas wrapping paper and went and plopped it in his locker because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i'm just not i don't even know when i'm gonna get it back to him so i just plopped it in his locker and that's the cool part about the lakers facility and like not like we really share an area like when you're in the g league you don't really go to the la lakers side of things but sometimes we're in the weight room at the same time or you see each other in passing like we share a facility which is really cool and it's kind of rare i do want to give jay a chance to highlight some of the favorite women in his life so jay yes if there was a fire and you had to save bessie or Lindsay, who would you save Give us give us some background on who Bessie and Lindsay are. Also. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, go go oh. ahead and tell them tell them about Bessie and Lindsay. Is my truck, Bessie, <laughs> that I've had since third year of school, and I talk to my truck more than is probably healthy. Like <laughs> my my wife Lindsay will tell you that like it's kind of weird sometimes, and I have way too much faith in my truck. We drove my truck back from L.A. to Virginia. And aside from the muffler falling off in the middle of Tennessee and dragging on the ground for probably a mile and shooting sparks behind us, we had no issues. Oh, Blake, that's such a hard question. When you said Bessie, <laughs> when you said Bessie, I thought it was like your daughter or something. <laughs> yeah, because I, I decided to name my daughter Bessie. That would be that would that would go over well with the grandparents. <laughs> No, I, know, I, I, don't, I don't know what Durham uh, culture I would, is like. I would, my, my, I would obviously save my wife first, but I would use Bessie to save my wife. <laughs> I would, I would get in the truck and swing by, like with my arm out the window, grab Lindsay wow. out of the fire, bring her into the truck, and then drive out of the burning building with a big explosion behind us. With, with the sparks behind you too. Yeah, sparks. Yeah, yeah. Bessie started the fire. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to the reason for the fire. <laughs> no, that, this seems like a Michael Bay question. film right now. Like, <laughs> Lumbo would be incredible. Blake and I have had some great conversations in the bed of the truck, actually. That's that's where oh, most dude. great happen. Took that's out kinda, parking lots, baby. Yeah, and that's what has kind of led to this attachment for me because, like, with a truck, it's often, like, people can ride in the back of it. You can sit in the back of it. whatever. It's kind of like an automatic hangout spot. And I will be the first to tell you, I'm like, it's like, that's like the most redneck thing about me is that I'm overly attached to my truck. I and grew up, beard. I won't, I won't be like a fake redneck that like wears camo and all that all the time. Like I admit I'm, I'm from the suburbs, but my attachment to my truck is probably the most North Carolina thing about me. Even, even referencing cookout parking lot, I think is more, probably more, more North Carolina than you guys realize. Like Connor is, definitely has zero clue what that is. You guys I wouldn't know. have until I got to Duke. You guys haven't been to cookout, have you? I've been. I've never eaten cookout, though. You, well, how have you? Dude, I go there every weekend when I'm in North. Like, I think I went there. I mean, Blake knows. I think I went there yeah. every weekend for four years. I I will I will say like this is kind of one of those confessions that might not be worth it but here it goes I I think there were weeks at UVA where I ate cookout six days a week. Nice cookout cookout for and, for anybody like like me and Connor who wouldn't otherwise know about it is like it's it's fast food but it's like it comes in these trays and so it's yeah. like it's like 
milkshakes that are just like like concrete Fine. dense yeah. and and like you know chicken fingers french fries hamburgers like quesadillas like but it's all all just like super good like it's open to like bucks. what time does it stay open till too 4 a.m it's like, open all night it's yeah. all yeah. night and so it's, so it's a perfect i can i can picture right now driving to yeah. bessie in the wee hours of the morning yes. getting a couple of trays with the boys and that's, that's the thing too is i have a rule for myself used to i would get it for lunch every once in a while but it's frankly not great at lunchtime because you kind of realize <laughs> no. like, this is not a good way to like, it's not fulfilling not, its potential at lunchtime you you eat it <laughs> After 9 p.m., I think is my current cutoff. Like, that's the only time when I would go to cookout is after 9 p.m. If it's, like, still light out, I'm like, I don't really want it. But once it gets dark, then and it's just, like, it's great late night food, like, right before bed for me. Especially when I was trying to gain weight. That was part of the reason I went because at the time I was probably, like, 210 pounds. And so our strength coach was, like, literally eat anything. Like, shove in calories. He would tell me, go eat a milkshake, like. And this is someone who was like big on healthy food, but he was just like, you need to put on weight. <laughs> I did. I did read that you put on 30 pounds in your red shirt year. Uh, yeah. At UVA. So, so it took out the, the driving factor there. Cook, I couldn't drive much my first year. So it, a lot of it was like this on, on campus, on grounds, I'll say UVA calls it grounds, but on campus, uh, <laughs> not before, but like a late night snack place. I used to go there and get a half gallon of whole milk. And I'll admit, like, it, it was, like, eventually my fridge would be, like, full of, like, three-fourths drunk whole milk. But I would get a half <laughs> gallon of whole milk and, like, try to finish it off before the end of the night if I could. And wow. it was pretty disgusting. I won't lie to you. Like, there were times where I would lay down in bed after I had tried to drink as much whole milk as I could. <laughs> and I would just lay down. Like, oh, you got to sit back and got to... Settle the old stomach. <laughs> I'm just picturing you trying to do the milk challenge every single night <laughs> as a college freshman with like the most, the biggest look of despair on your face in like week three. This is my it was, life. It was really gross. And I'm sure like, I was kind of a messy person. And so I'm sure that didn't look great. But most of the mess was due to the fact that I was just trying to eat so much and gain so much weight. <laughs> So oh, this was yeah. this was the moment that tested your your faith the most, is what I'm hearing. Shoving yeah. <laughs> in like so, even like before practice one time, I ate like two Five Guys double bacon cheeseburgers, <laughs> and and I was like hungry afterwards. And at that point, I was like, "Is this disgusting? Like this is kind of gross, isn't it? That I can eat like this, and like this is acceptable for my body." But no, it's, man, it's a blessing like, and a curse. Yeah, no, like my metabolism has definitely slowed down since then. Like I was. 180 at the end of my senior year in high school um and currently i'm at like 245 plus like depending on the day 245 to 248 and it's weird like looking back at old pictures of myself because i was i was pretty thin that that's what the weight room and cookout drive through will get you man (laughs) yeah looking back i'm sure there was probably a better way to do it but i just went for it (laughs) No regrets. Um, so I asked a question about your truck and your wife and you answer more about your truck. So that's kind of wor- worrisome. Let me give you a quick chance to make up for that. Let me, let me give you a quick chance to make up for that. Highlight some of Lindsay's artwork. Cause it's pretty incredible. She, she's worked with UVA football. Um, she's done yeah. these master masterpiece murals. 
tell tell us something about it and where can people where can people find it yeah so she has been painting for a while now she after college just with the travel and all that from professional basketball she's done professional artwork for a while she has a website it's called lindsaykhuff.com she started off by just painting you know acrylic watercolor some oil that type of thing at one point i was just kind of in passing i said like i might try to order a pair of like all white shoes and like if you ever have time one day it would be really cool if you could paint them i had those shoes for a long time because she was busy it was like school we were still in school and then she was busy with art of other types then one day she told me she was going to start on them and i didn't want to even see them i told her to just do whatever she wanted and she a little while later comes out with these shoes and hands them to me and they're these marvel comics like all types of stuff all like plaster all over them you can find them on her instagram and on mine and it's it was ridiculous like it was all hand painted she doesn't stencil anything she doesn't like airbrush anything it's all just hand painted and it looks like it was like like it looked like it was printed on by a, a machine it was pretty ridiculous yeah i'm looking at some of the stuff right now on her instagram it's beautiful like yeah. star wars one uh lots yeah. of uva stuff yeah. it's really cool favorites and a lot of uva fans have wanted them too and um it has led to a ton of orders she's done a pair for a couple of different guys um in the nba as well i know she did a pair for luke Kennard and a pair for thomas bryant who were, those were commissioned by um by friends of theirs or i think thomas bryant's girlfriend it's been really cool to see it kind of grow and it's i don't think the shoes have become her favorite because she like her first love art wise was painting canvases and i i think that it like she's able to do both now which is really really cool she's booked through maybe march of 2023 uh with Jeez. primary orders because of this project that she did with uva football where they wanted to have some for acc media day and it's also led to an increase in commissions for her canvas painting and stuff um in addition to that she also did a painting for some old friends of ours who uh, their daughter is a manager at uva uh, for the UVA men's basketball team and they bought a huge ridiculous amazing estate called Gallison Hall to use for like event space like wedding venue type of thing and they had a UVA basketball reunion there actually recently and they commissioned her to do a four foot by seven foot painting of the front of the house that was kind of a recreation of an old uh, painting that used to hang in the main hall I actually built the canvas and then we, I mean, it took her a long time because it was, it was with oil paint, which takes a long time to dry. Uh, but she, she finished that recently and it's, it's beautiful. You can find that on her website too, on her, um, her Instagram, but I'm really, really proud of her for the, the way that her business has expanded because there have definitely been some days where it was like, it was a little bit slow and she wanted to, you know, she was just hoping that it would pick up. And I, I kept telling her like, she's got ridiculous talent in the art. In, in in terms of her artwork and it just it would take a little bit longer because art's a weird business like basketball is a weird business art's a weird business we didn't exactly pick uh, <laughs> uh, but it picked up a lot recently and she's she's able to you know do a lot with it and i think that she's gonna probably have business for a long as long as she wants um and she got a degree in architecture too it wasn't even like she went to school for art it's pretty ridiculous she's way more talented than him um because she's just got this multitude of skills that not many people have so it's been really cool to see her her business expand
I hope we made Lindsay happy by saving the best for last. That's what yeah. we're doing here, Lindsay. And, you know, you guys are definitely a, a very talented young couple <laughs> in a variety of things. So great. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, we are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube as well. Uh, and you can follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast on Twitter at Space the Floor. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flannery. Don't and forget to check next. out Lindsay and Jay yeah. and all the 94 Feet Hoop social medias. I'll throw out there again that Miles has been doing some great stuff on Twitter specifically with film breakdowns. So definitely go check those out. Yeah. And art by Lindsay Huff. Art so by Lindsay it. Huff. Thanks Bye. again, Jay, for coming on. Yeah. See you appreciate next time. you. Peace. We is not dead on the 94P podcast. We're <laughs> well and alive here. And... Hey, Blake, when are you going to get engaged? Yeah, that's Yo, the question no. people are asking. Blake, you're up next. <laughs> you're up next. Remember when we were joking about Miles not having a girlfriend before the podcast? What happened to that, guys? <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. I don't even know where I'm going to be living at in six months. Like. <laughs>